Well, good morning and uh, welcome again to our worship at First Norfolk. We're so thankful that you've joined us online and we pray that even throughout the day after uh, this worship gathering is finished and their 11 o'clock worship gathering is finished, uh, you can invite neighbors and friends, family uh, to go online and experience worship uh, here at First Norfolk. I encourage you to do that. Uh, before we begin, I think it's important for us to take time to pray. As a church, uh, we pray together at 1 o'clock for one minute for one thing. And over these next few days, obviously, we need to pray specifically for uh, coronavirus and those who are affected by coronavirus and those who are the decision makers and helping us cope, not just locally, not just statewide <coughs> or commonwealth-wide, not just uh, nationally, but also globally. Uh, we need to pray for those leaders. And so I want to say this is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do, simply because I want to give those of you who are watching at home opportunity to join me in prayer uh, for five specific things. And uh, as we take time there with your family or friends or friends who are like family, uh, or on your watch party, uh, wherever you are, let's just stop right now and let's just take a moment to pray. This may be bad TV, but it's great church. Uh, so I want us to take a moment and stop and uh, just pause and right now uh, call your room uh, and those who are in the room uh, to prayer. And I will take us through these five ingredients or elements of prayer together. And let's commit these five elements to prayer this week. So uh, let's enter into this season of prayer together. First, will you join me in praying that God would give wisdom to our local, our state, our national and our global leaders during this crisis, that by your wisdom, O oh Lord, you would turn panic into a powerful display of your grace. Would you pray for our local, state, national, and global leaders right now? Secondly, will you pray for God to give safety and encouragement, endurance and strength to our health care providers, to our first responders, and also to our service providers, like the men and women who are working in tense times manning registers and stocking shelves at our stores. Will you pray for safety, encouragement, strength, and endurance for health care providers, first responders, and service responders right now?
Third, will you join me and pray for healing for those who are sick right now? Whether it's with COVID-19 or some other illness, uh, right now is a difficult time to be sick, especially those who are more seriously sick. Will you pray for God to bring healing to their lives right now? Fourth, will you pray for a cure for COVID-19? And finally... Will you pray today for the sovereign God of the universe to show his glory and advance his kingdom during this season through the church? Will you pray that our church would be known for not our cool, but for our compassion, demonstrating the goodness of the loving God who provides for those who call upon him. Will you join me in praying for the sovereign God to show his glory and advance his gospel in this time especially through the church? Now, God of the universe, we gather as your people in this place, and we trust you. We are a people who have been soaked in hope through your loving uh, rescue that you have provided to us through Jesus Christ. And we gather here in the power of the Holy Spirit, separated by distance, joined together by technology, but more importantly, joined together by your presence with us now. And we pray that you would light the fires of passion and worship among your people who have the hope that you've provided. And we pray, O oh God, that you would do mighty and wondrous things through your church in this land and around the world, we pray, O oh God, that you would shine your glory through us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. Now, last week, uh, Seth Peterson, our student pastor, did a tremendous job 
walking us through Mark chapter 4, where Jesus, who was sleeping in the stern of a boat, uh, a storm fell upon the disciples there in the Sea of Galilee, uh, and Jesus remained snoozing in the stern on a pillow. The disciples were freaking out, and they cried out to Jesus, Master, do you not even care that we're perishing? And Jesus finally got up. I can see him yawning a little bit. And he looked at the storm, and he looked at the wind, and he quieted the storm, and he spoke to the wind, and he said, Peace be still, and everything went to calm. And as we look at that passage last week, we saw that Jesus has the authority and the power to speak to all creation, and all creation must obey. Why? Because he's the creator. He's the one who made the wind and the sea and the storm itself. Uh, So last week we saw that Jesus uh, is uh, the powerful one to calm even the raging seas, and we can depend upon him. Well, in Mark chapter 5 and Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus going on a journey through the streets of Galilee, across the lake, and then back across the lake. He, he, uh, he, he and the disciples are journeying uh, over into Decapolis and uh, the region of, of uh, Gazarene, and then coming back to Galilee. And, and Jesus is ministering. He's preaching. Remember what Jesus came doing. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says that Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom saying, repent, the kingdom is at hand, believe on the gospel. And Jesus continued preaching that message uh, through Galilee and Decapolis. But here in chapters 5 and 6, we see something added to that message. Uh, What was added to the message was the power he had Uh, to bring about a change in people's lives. It's the power that he had over the storm in Mark chapter 4 now is translated into his power speaking to uh, uh, the forces that derail and depress and uh, dismantle our hope. And Jesus has the power to speak uh, to those things. Even in, at the end of Mark chapter 6, we see another encounter. Jesus sends his disciples uh, out on a boat, and they're in the middle of the lake, and a, 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 an, an adverse wind is blowing against them, and they're rowing against the wind. Jesus is on the shore, and he looks down, and he sees his disciples struggling at the oars, and so Jesus goes to meet them. He doesn't ask them to come to the dock and pick him up, Jesus has the power to literally command every molecule of H2O to become solidified as he takes steps upon the water and he gets to his disciples on the boat and they get freaked out because they see Jesus and they think this is a ghost, he's haunting us. Uh, But Jesus says, it is I, be of good cheer. And he goes into the boat, and as soon as he gets in the boat, he takes them immediately to their destination. And Jesus has great power. But as we look at his interactions with people, what we discover is 
compassion. A compassion that Jesus applied to people in need. You know, we know that Jesus has the power to help us, uh, but do we know that his power moves along the track of his compassion? This past week, our, our, our staff uh, has been making hundreds of calls to our senior adults, and uh, as they have been making those calls, uh, and as I've been making those calls, uh, I, I've read reports and I've heard conversations uh, with our senior adults, and it always amazes me and somewhat amuses me. I pick up the phone, I say, hey, this is Pastor Eric, how are you doing? And, and, and we just call in to check on you, do you have any needs? And almost immediately, this wonderful generation that uh, conquered uh, Nazi Germany and survived onslaughts of all kinds of difficulty, uh, when they hear me ask them, or one of our staff ask them, uh, do you have any needs? Almost immediately, so many of them respond by pointing to the needs of someone else. No, pastor, I am fine, but would you pray for my neighbor or my friend or my family member? Will you uh, check on this person or that person? I think they're in need. The, this generation began, begins to think in terms of compassion for those around them. Uh, that's the kind of compassion that Jesus had. It's the kind of compassion that Jesus displayed. And, and really, in his ministry, that compassion uh, is shown throughout chapters 5 and 6, but perhaps summarized best in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. In Mark chapter 6, uh, Jesus has uh, come back uh, to Galilee, and, and as the, he and his disciples get off uh, the boat again... Uh, verse 31, he says, Come uh, aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while, for there were many coming and going, and the disciples and Jesus didn't even have time to eat. Verse 32, So they departed to a deserted uh, place in the boat by themselves. So a lot of boats going on here. Verse 33, But the multitudes saw Jesus and the disciples departing. Many knew him and ran there uh, on foot from all the cities and arrived before them and came together to him. So they ran around the shore of the lake to meet where the boat was going to land. Verse 34, in this summary statement. And Jesus, when he came out, Jesus saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Uh, compassion here is a display and a characteristic of Jesus himself. In fact, if you were to look in Isaiah chapter 53, where it describes Jesus before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, describes that, that second person of the Trinity, the suffering servant, Isaiah describes Jesus coming on a mission, and, and that mission is described in this way. Uh, Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 says, surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, uh, uh, stricken smitten by God, and afflicted. Uh, for uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. 
And the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. This is a picture of the ministry that Jesus had. When he started his earthly ministry and all the way to the cross, Jesus has this singular ministry to come to you and me in our affliction, in our suffering, in our diseases, swallowed up by the guilt and the shame of our sin, and to with compassion, bring rescue to us. Here is the good news for us today, that Jesus has compassion that changes our lives. Jesus has compassion that literally changes our lives. We live in a world in need of compassion today. We live in a world that needs the tender touch, the powerful touch of God himself. And Jesus has come on mission to bring that rescue to us. And uh, in Mark chapters 5 and 6, if I could just take a few moments, I I know that for many watching and and participating today, uh, you view God through a lens of distance. What I mean by that, it's like you're looking at God through a telescope and he is in some far, far away galaxy, distant from us and disconnected from us. But friends, Jesus changes that perspective. He changes that picture of God. He is God who has come to us. He is God who has come to meet us in our need with his compassion and power. When Jesus looked upon the crowds, he had compassion. When he looked upon the people that he encountered in chapters 5 and 6, he had compassion. In in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Jesus meets a man who's broken down and possessed by demonic forces. And in compassion, Jesus chases away the demonic and makes the man emotionally and physically whole. In Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, Jesus meets a a woman harangued by an illness for 12 years. And in compassion, Jesus dismisses her disease and makes her well. In Mark chapter uh, 5, verses 23, and then again beginning in verse 35... Jesus is approached by a father uh, whose daughter is sick unto death and even dies. And Jesus stops with that father whose name is Jairus, and he dismisses uh, uh, her disease, delivers life to her, and chases away death. In Mark chapter 6, verses 34 through 44, Jesus encounters a crowd of people who are hungry and searching. And in compassion for them, Jesus takes two, lo- f- uh, two fish and five loaves of bread and feeds 5,000 people. The power of Christ's compassion makes demons flee and sickness shrink. The power of Christ's compassion, uh, by the power of Christ's compassion, death is defeated, hunger is satisfied, Fear is replaced by joy. Today, we need to see that Jesus has compassion for you. 
And Jesus has compassion for me. And Jesus has a compassion that moves along the track of his power. He sees us and he desires to help us. Friends, this is the story of the good news. The very good news that Jesus came preaching is that God has come to men and women in their plight of sin and he has come to rescue us. And Jesus has come, God himself, taken on the skin of man, uh, being born as a baby in a manger in a stable. Jesus has come. And Jesus has come to bring God to us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. But why? Why has Jesus come to us? Because he saw us in our sickness and in our disease, swallowed up by the guilt and the same shame of our sins, stuck in the cell of sin's guilt and shame, uh, surrounded by the death and the darkness that our sin has created. And Jesus has come to... uh, set us free in compassion. And Jesus is loving us toward hope. And Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom, but more than that, Jesus came loving people toward hope. That's what his compassion does. It was more than just words that he said. He came to deliver in flesh and bone, the very love of God for us. Again, take note in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus, coming out, saw the crowd. I, I, I just want you, to, I want you to hear that good news. Jesus sees us. And when I was a little boy... I'd read comic books, and at the back of the comic books, there were all these little advertisements. And one prominent advertisement, besides the little boy getting muscles to grow big and strong and fight off bullies, there was another one that always drew my eye to it, and it was X-ray glasses. Uh, if you got these glasses, you could see through walls. You know, it was X-ray glasses. Um, well, I'm, I never bought them because, you know, uh, my mom and dad are smarter than that. But, but I imagine uh, that uh, all of us wish that we could see into the hearts of those around us. Uh, but I can tell you with absolute certainty that Jesus sees into the heart of you and me today. In Hebrews, it says that there is absolutely nothing hidden from his sight to whom we must give an account, but we're all uh, naked and laid bare before him. Jesus sees. Jesus sees you. Uh, Jesus sees you and me in our heart, in, in, in our heart and in our hurt. He sees us behind the smiles, behind the masks, managing our misery. Jesus sees our hurt. And Jesus sees our need. Jesus sees. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're facing, know this, that Jesus in compassion sees you. He understands exactly what's going on. He understands the anxious thoughts that you have. He understands the disquiet in your heart. He understands the, uh, maybe the, the, the callousness of your soul. He understands why uh, all these things are inside of you and me. He, he sees us, 
and he cares. That's what compassion does. Compassion isn't merely seeing, it's caring and acting upon it. Uh, Jesus came preaching that the only way to experience the full measure of life is through faith in him, believing on this good news that God can rescue sinners through faith in Christ. But Jesus backed up his message with his compassion, taking people where they are and bringing them wholeness in bodies so that they might find wholeness in life. Uh, A man uh, had a daughter in third grade uh, who came up to him one evening and said, Daddy, do you think I'm pretty? Now, as a dad of four daughters, I can tell you what my answer is going to be. Yes, darling, you're pretty. And that father of that third grader said, absolutely, honey, you are beautiful. But then he wanted to get behind the question. He wanted to see more fully what the daughter was asking. And he said, why, why are you asking me if you're pretty? And the little girl said, well, the boys in my school were saying who the pretty go- girls in school are, and they didn't say my name. They didn't say my name. Can you hear her hurt? You see the scar, the wound in her soul? I can guarantee you, even if you and I don't see that, Jesus does. And he moves to help. Uh, like uh, like the, the, the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, Jesus had compassion on him and stopped to bring rescue to this man who had uh, almost uh, uh, supernatural powers. In, in, in Mark 5, 1 through 5, it says that, that the demoniac was stuck in a graveyard and the people in the surrounding village would come in and they would chain him so he wouldn't cause uh, problems. And, and this demoniac would just break the chains and, and nothing could bind him and nothing could help him. Uh, He was absolutely uncontrollable and inconsolable in his uh, difficulties. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus rescued him. And Jesus rescued him, chased away the demons and said, Now you are made whole. That's the kind of compassion that Jesus has for you, whatever you're facing. And Jesus has compassion. And in that compassion, as we think about our lives, in that compassion, Jesus sends us, who have been rescued by him, he sends us to love others toward hope. See, Jesus loves us toward hope, and then when we've been rescued, he sends us to rescue others, to love others toward hope. The compassion that Jesus has shown us becomes the message of hope that we share with others. You have that message of hope. Oh, the 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 person, this man that was uh, uh, overwhelmed by uh, by the demons, he had that hope because Jesus had compassion on him. Look at Mark chapter five, verses eighteen through twenty. Scripture says when Jesus got uh, into the boat, uh, he who had been demon-possessed, so Jesus has healed him, he's getting ready to leave, he's getting in a boat, going to the other side. 
so when Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. However, Jesus didn't permit him, but said, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. When we look at our lives and and we who have been rescued by God's grace, when we have experienced the compassion of Christ that makes us whole, that becomes the message that we share with others lovingly, understanding that people, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, they're struggling right now because they have no hope. They don't have hope in the midst of a virus. They don't have hope in the midst of of disease life and a disease kind of world. They're stuck in a plight of loneliness and isolation, struggle and difficulty. But today, the good news that we have is that Christ has compassion for them just as Christ has compassion for us. And his compassion can change their life. Like this man healed in Mark chapter 5, we need to be ambassadors of the hope that Christ's compassion has given us. We who have received Christ's compassion, that becomes our message of hope toward others. In Christ, we have been transformed by faith. And that faith has given us a new way of living and a new way of believing and a new way of dreaming and a new way of looking even at COVID-19. We have a life that is more powerful than coronavirus because in compassion, Jesus has given us himself. That is the good news of God's great love for sinners like you and me, that Jesus has given himself to us. The picture of Jesus on a cross is a picture of his love invading the darkness of our deceit, the difficulty of our days, the penalty of our sin. And upon the cross, Jesus took all that and killed it. The empty tomb is a picture of the victory that Jesus had over death and hell, the grave, sin, sickness, disease. And it's also a picture of the victory that he offers to all who by faith will trust him. Today, perhaps you're stuck in a solitary life overwhelmed by hopelessness and I just want to be a messenger that yes I was where you are as well I was stuck in an empty life even though I had gone to church for a long time and even though I I was pretty moral kid and even though I was uh, living a life that most would say it's a good life there was an emptiness inside of me that I could not escape And then, in compassion, Jesus came to me. He opened his arms to me and he said, Eric, if you will trust me, 
I will forgive your sin and I will give you a life that is satisfying. I will fill your soul with myself and I will satisfy you completely. In that wondrous moment in that day when I was the recipient of the ardent love and uh, compelling compassion of Christ, I recognized that it was my sin that was creating the emptiness inside of me and the hopelessness of my life. My sin had separated me from God and there was no way, no amount of goodness that I could do that could bridge the distance between myself and a holy God. And that's why Jesus came in compassion bringing rescue to a sinner like me. In that moment, I saw myself in my sin, but I also saw God's glorious provision. He sent Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin, to take upon himself the punishment that I deserve, so that by his stripes I may be whole. That even though I have gone astray, God took my sin and planted it on Jesus And he died on a cross in my place for my sin. I saw God's provision and I responded by faith. I said, Jesus, you are my only hope for rescue. You are my only hope for life. You are my only hope to escape the emptiness that has captured my soul. Today, I turn, repent of my sin and I turn toward you. And in that wondrous transaction of grace where I placed my faith in Jesus, and I repented of my sin, and I called upon him for rescue. In that wonderful transaction of God's grace, he saved me, and he made me whole. In compassion, I was lost, but now I'm found. In compassion, I was dead, but now I live. I pray that for you today, and if you're Uh, within the sound of my voice, I I just want to encourage you, if in this moment you find yourself stuck in the loneliness and the emptiness of a life separated from God by your sin, see the compassion of Jesus Christ today. He meets you at your point of need. He sees you. He understands who you are and what's going on in your life, but know that he's provided a pathway for you to be forgiven forever and find hope in the face of every circumstance. If you desire to embrace Jesus Christ, I encourage you uh, to pray a prayer similar to what I prayed. Now, praying a prayer doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Calling upon Jesus makes you a follower of Jesus. Repenting your sin, trusting in Jesus as your only hope, that's what makes you a follower of Jesus. This prayer is merely a reflection of a heart Longing for rescue, a heart of faith in a person who desires to be saved. So if that's who you are, I invite you to pray this prayer. Oh God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner separated from you by my sin. And I have no hope apart from you. I believe Jesus is your son. And he died on a cross for my sin to give me life. I pray that today you might forgive my sin through Christ and give me new life. Oh God, thank you for forgiving me through Jesus Christ and giving me a new life through his resurrection from the dead. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to text Jesus to the number on the screen, and we'll follow up with you uh, in, this, in the next few days. My prayer today is that we would be a people who have received the compassion of Christ, who are living in his compassion, and who are sharing his compassion with others.